Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Ephesians 2. I want to continue with this that we ministered on Wednesday. Are you interested? Part 2. There was a minister that was in a foreign country and he was ministering. And there were 120 pastors and their spouses that had come to that meeting. And they had brought their congregations. So I want you to get the picture. So on the platform are 120 ministers and their spouses. And they, in, the, in the audience are 120 of their congregations. They're here for this minister's meeting. And he said he was sitting on the, on the platform and that all of a sudden over here, Jesus appeared. And he said Jesus went over to these ministers and started introducing them. And he said, let me go over here where there's nobody. I don't want <laughs> And he said, well, there's somebody there, but nobody here. And he said, this is Pastor so-and-so. This is his name. This is his wife. This is her name. They pastor a church in such and such city. And he went to the next group, the next couple, and did the same thing. But as he went to them, he said, this is them. This is their church. And they're not interested. This is the pastor, this is his wife, and they're not interested. And he went out of 120 pastors and spouses, 117, Jesus said, was not interested. There were only three couples that were interested. And Jesus said, the three that are interested, I got something more for them. They, brought, they were there, they brought their churches but they weren't interested. Your level of interest in the plan of God for your life determines how far God can move you. How interested are you in what God wants you to do? Are you following me? There are people that want God to be interested in what they're doing but they show a disinterest in what God's doing. You were not put on this planet to suck oxygen and take a paycheck. You were put on this planet to do something for God. Amen. Ephesians, am I helping you? Ephesians 2 and 10. Uh, Lord, I'll say that. I'll tell you why ministers burn out is because they try to do the plan of God without any help. I've seen pastors before that were just wore out. They look like they've been wrung out and hung on a line. It's because they're trying to do the plan of God all by themselves. A church is a family. And in a home, a normal natural family, every person has some responsibilities. I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but you know, once kids are up to a certain age, I mean, they can wash their own clothes. Right. 
They can clean their own room. They should be cleaning their toilet. Because you're part of this family. They should be taught. You walk by the trash and it's overflowing. Take it up and move it out. Why? Because you put trash in that can. You eat here, right? You sleep here. We don't charge you rent. You need to work. That's a family. Right? The Bible says the local church is a family. Everybody's got a job. Everybody's got a responsibility. Everybody's got something to do. Ever what your assignment is, it may be on the praise team, it may be in the AV, it may be doing whatever you're doing. That is your assignment. And you're not doing it for anybody but God. You're interested in what God's doing. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And uh, brothers, could we... Well, it's actually a sister back there. Brother and sister, can we see that in the Amplified Bible? Ephesians 2 and 10. Thank you. For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Born anew. Notice this. Now the King James says, notice the King James. It says, it says, uh, unto good works. The Amplified says that we may do these good works. Now notice this which God predestined, which means what? Planned before. For us. For who? For, say, for me. Taking paths that He prepared ahead of time. Verse 11, please. Notice this. That we should walk in them, living the good life that He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Amen. One of the most precious things in our lives is God's plan. Amen. Say it out loud. One of the most precious things in my life is God's plan. Amen. That's that's why I I say this all the time. Especially uh, all of us. But especially if, if, if you're younger. And when I say younger, if you're still moving into everything God wants you to do in your life, seek to know it. Seek to protect it with everything you have. Because it's His plan for you. In the plan are three things. In the plan are the people, the places, and the provision. In the plan. The people, the places, and the provision. Hallelujah. If you look down in your future and you look, you're looking, and 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 there are people in here you're doing this, and, and you want God to bring you a spouse, you want God to bring you a mate, you want God to bring you a husband or a wife, that person, hear me, will be found in the plan of God for your life. I said this this morning in prayer meeting, and I'll say it again. I've talked to people before, and they, and they will meet a young man from the church or something. They'll go, well, I wish I could find a guy like that. Well, you're not going to find him in the club. Ain't none of them there. Where are they at? In the plan of God for your life. If you got to go outside the church to find him, you don't want him. 
If you got to go outside the church to find her, you don't want her. Right? Why? Because evidently, she doesn't care anything about God's plan. He don't care anything about God's plan. The Lord told me one day, I was on the, on the way to church, and I saw people running and, and exercising. It was in the summer, and there's nothing wrong with that. We do that, I do that, but it's Sunday morning. What we used to call the Lord's Day. And the Lord spoke to me, and He said, Philip, there are multiplied hundreds of thousands of people today that got up and gave no thought to my plan for their life. They're living like there's no eternity. Everything in your life must line up with God's plan. Hear me. If it doesn't line up with God's plan, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't have any part of that. Now that sounds elementary. But when, the, when God wants to bless you, He brings a person into your life. When the devil wants to sidetrack you, he brings a person into your life. And if you can't look and determine, do they meet the criteria for the plan, you'll miss it. Amen. I remember one time there was a, a, a couple that came to the church, and uh, uh, they were giving me some information. They gave me a letter that explained everything about their life, and and I read it, and, and he was very affable, and, and uh, both of them were very affable. But I read the letter, and we shook hands, and he walked out. And, and when he walked out, I thought, they're not going to be here long. Because I could see a pattern. They weren't looking for the plan of God. Just looking for a place to roost. Where you're at is the plan of God for you. This church is God's plan for you. Where you're at is God's plan. If, if you're going to Bible school, that's God's plan for you. It, it's not the end of the plan, but it's the start of God's plan. You started getting into God's plan when you said, okay, I'll go to church there. Or okay, I'll do this or I'll do that. When you volunteered for the AV or the children's ministry or the student ministry or wherever you volunteered, it may not be what you feel like you're called to do forever, but it got your foot in the door of God's plan. Amen. Amen. Do you see this? So the people are there. Well, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. The place is there. The place is there. I've told you this story over and over and over and over and over again. I didn't know DeSoto existed. I really didn't know Lawrence existed. I knew there was a mythical place called Lawrence, Kansas where the Jayhawks played, but I, I had never been there. My figuring was who would want to go? Amen. But I was assistant pastor at, the, at, at, a church, at that church in Kansas City. And I got up one Sunday morning and the Lord told me, your time is over. Right? And I, get, I gave my two weeks notice to the pastor. Pastor got mad at me in the foyer of the church. Crumpled up my two weeks notice and told me to leave now. Okay. I will. 
And so we went home, and, and that was back when the Smithton Revival was going on in Smithton, Missouri. And Pastor Michelle and I loaded our kids up and just went to Smithton and, and was there with, with uh, Steve and Kathy Gray in, in the meetings. And we came home that night. Now, this is back, this is how long ago this was. We had an answering machine. <laughs> we didn't have a cell phone, had a landline and an answering machine. And I got home, <laughs> and on the answering machine was a lady that ended up really being a devil. But she left me a message. And she said, Pastor, here is the phone number to the piano player. That's what they called Kathleen back then. The piano player. And that's what she did at the church. She can get you in touch with the pastor. I called Kathleen. Kathleen said, the pastor's not here. He's taking a load of hogs somewhere. I thought, Lord, what am I, what am I getting myself into? But she gave him my number. He called me back. This was like on a Friday or Saturday, I forget. He called me back and he said, can you come out Sunday night? And so I came out Sunday night and preached here. I don't remember what I preached on. I wanted to leave. Not because the people were bad or anything. They, listen, they had never seen my breed of cat when I came in here. You, you understand what I mean? Marie, Marie Price, y'all know Marie, pastors in Clarksville. She, she looked at the person sitting next to her and said, he's just a little bit full of himself, isn't he? <laughs> well, I wasn't. I was full of the Holy Ghost. You understand? Well, here's the thing. So he came up to me after church and said, can you do a revival? I said, yeah. How long do you want to go? Monday through Wednesday. Yeah, we'll do it. And I came back Monday night and started preaching Monday night. God started doing some things. Wednesday night. Remember we used to have some of y'all that are old timers. You remember we had the, the bench right here? The, the little altar and we had a little gate and then another, right? And the big, the big thing. What do they call them? Podium? I'm not making fun necessarily. We just did. Kathleen played behind a big upright piano. And when the Holy Ghost would come on her, you would hear this. Because she would fall out on the keys. I'm talking about the plan of God. I have been told to leave the position I was in. Right? You follow me? And I had went and ministered at another guy's church for three weeks. God moved powerfully. Matter of fact, that's where I met Jillian's mom and dad. Jillian was not even born then. Amen. I remember Paula came walking across the front of the church, and she had Courtney by the hand, was carrying Alana, and pregnant with Joey. That's how long ago that was. And so anyway, anyway, what's that got to do with anything? Nothing. Anyway. <laughs> I came out here. I preached Monday. I preached Tuesday. That Wednesday night, I'm ministering, and I stepped out right here, and I was preaching a message called Right Where You Don't Want to Be. And I was preaching um, uh, that message, and I got halfway down the, the aisleway, and the Lord said, make yourself available to pastor this church. I didn't know I had reached the plan of God for my life. I made myself available to pastor the church. That would have been in November. 
the end of December 1998, we became pastors. Now, here, here's, my, here's my point. That was the plan of God for my life. Months before that, I got up out of bed on a Saturday morning when my feet hit the floor. I knew I was a pastor. Just dropped in me. I didn't have anywhere to pastor. I didn't run around telling people I was a pastor. The place was in the plan. The plan was pastor. The place was in the plan. Remember, I've been let go. Right? When God separates you from something, don't mourn over what He has loosed you and untied you from. There's a place in the plan that He's moving you to. If you mourn over what you're being loosed from, you miss the victory of what you're being moved into. Do you see this? Folks, now there are people that were here. How many were here when I started pastoring? Raise your hand, Buzz. Can't hardly see it. You're black and it's dark back there. There you are. Amen. There he is. Don't blame me. You've told me for 22 years you have luscious skin. What you got? Yeah. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Man, people came out of the woodwork. People came out of the woodwork to see the new pony. I'm serious. I got pictures. We had, we had pews then. And, 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 and they went from that wall. They, there's about two feet from that wall almost to the door. Huge, huge pews. What, eight foot? Had to be eight foot. Down that side and this side. One wide aisle. I got pictures packed out. Packed out. Man, people were coming. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. I preached a message on a Wednesday night called the Modern Day Ministry of Jesus Christ. And I made a statement. I said, Jesus did not do everything he did because he was divine or because he was the Son of God. He did it because he was anointed to do it. And he still is. Well, word got out that I said Jesus wasn't divine. Never said that. That was the most popular tape ever. Probably my best seller. Because even the people who didn't like me wanted that tape. And so they bought it. Well, here's the thing. I preached this church down from packed to 42 people. I was telling that story to a pastor one time, and he told his friend, he said, he preached his church down to 42 people. I don't know if I want to do that. But out of that 42 came the plan. If you start mourning over what was lost or what you perceive as lost, you can't move into more. The plan of God is progressive with a narrowing goal. You start doing this, but it progresses and it narrows as it goes. Am I helping anybody? So in the plan is the people, in the plan is the place, in the plan is the provision. So when I started pastoring here, I was working at Blue Cross Blue Shield Corporate America. Best job I'd ever had. My family was better off than we'd ever been. We had stable finances. We weren't rich, but we had stable finances. And God speaks to me. I'm praying. I'm seeking God. The plan of God requires your attention. You got to give it your attention. You got to show your interest in it. 
Amen. If I hear one more preacher tell me what they're called to do, your calling is ineffective if you're not in the plan. You can be called to preach, but it's ineffective if you're not in the plan. I was called to preach, but God's plan for me was pastor. So when God called me, he had DeSoto, he had Little Rock, he had Clarksville, he had Raytown in mind. Right? When, when God called Larry and Marie to this church, and Larry got delivered, and Larry got set free, and Marie came, God had Clarksville in mind. But what did they find first? The plan. Right? The plan. Glory to God. And so I'm praying, I'm seeking God about the plan. And the Lord says to me, He says, December 22nd, or excuse me, uh, 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 February 22nd, 1999 is your last day on your job. Now we had bought our first home. We're living in Gardner. We are loving our first home. Right? We're loving the neighborhood. We're loving everything about our life. I'm pastoring. Everybody mostly likes me. Right? And I said, okay. Now remember, I'm seeking God. And he said, don't worry. You won't suffer. You won't be in lack. I'll take care of your family. I stepped off that job making exactly three times less than I was making. I started pastoring this church for $310 a week. I was pastoring because God wanted me to. That's what they were paying me. But God put a man on the board that, that cared about me and was concerned about us. And so he petitioned the board. That's when we had a board that made those kind of decisions. And, and, and they gave me a little raise, not too much, a little one. And then God started bringing peace. Here's my point. We never lacked. Because the provision is in the plan. It's not a risk if it's in the plan. If you're led by the Spirit to do it, it's not a risk. Because you got to learn to do big things and do them fast. Hallelujah. There are people in here, you're believing God for a house. You got to look. You got to look and you got to find the plan. What's the plan of God for our life? Are you following me? Get the plan before you talk to the bank. Don't go visit with the, with the mortgage lender until you know the plan. In the plan are those things. Make the plan your focus and your goal. Why? There's nothing worthy that's a worthy exchange for the plan of God. Nothing is a worthy exchange. Everything pales in comparison to God's plan for your life. The only way to live fulfilled and satisfied is in His plan. That's it. That's the only way. I tell you all the time, and I'm not, I'm not playing. I, there's nothing I want. People say, Pastor, what, what do you want for your birthday, Chris? I don't, I, there's nothing I want. My wife was so giddy this year for Christmas because I told her something I wanted. Usually I go, I don't care. Now that's not just a man thing. 
It's the plan thing. We have to be interested enough to lay aside everything that's not of the plan. Where you lay it aside. Think about that. When God showed me that that job was no longer His plan, and He asked me to step off of it, that settled it. It's done. Amen. The plan won't happen automatically. Say it out loud. The plan will not happen automatically. Notice Ephesians 2 said they are prepared, but they're not automatic. Prepared, but not automatic. Whatever God has in store for you is there waiting. It's ready, but it's not automatic. Hallelujah. We have to want the plan, hear me when I say this, more than any distraction. You got to want the plan more than any distraction. Hallelujah. Remember, when Jesus was ministering and he was talking to the 70 and the 12, so that'd be 82, right? And more people, but specifically them. And he made this statement. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have any part of me. Remember what happened? The 70 left. And it says they followed him no more. So at one time, as far as disciples go, Jesus had 82 disciples that followed him. And in one message, he lost 70 of them. And then, Jesus, Pastor Jesus, turned to the 12 and said, you leaving too? Now watch. What did Peter say? Where are we going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life. We don't understand everything you're saying, but here's what we do know. Is that right? You can get distracted by, uh, from the plan from what you don't know. You need to not focus on what you don't know and stay with what you do know. Yes. This is God's plan for me. In John chapter 9, it says that there was the man there that was born blind, and they walked by him, and the disciples said, Master, who, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, Neither, but he was born. He, the works of God are going to be revealed in him. Remember? And he healed him. That's the works of God. And then he went to the, the, the synagogue, called him, talked to his mom and dad, and said, is this your boy? You know, who healed him? Is he a prophet? They said, we don't know. He's, he's grown. Talk to him. So they came, talked to him. Remember what he said? They said, was, he, was the man a prophet that healed you? He said, I don't know. They said, we know he was a sinner. Give God the glory. He said, wait a minute. Hang on. He said, it's never been written in the Word that a blind man would be healed by anybody but the Messiah. The man knew the Word. And they said, what do you know about it? You were all together born in sin because he was born blind. Remember what the man said? Look, I don't know if he was a prophet or not. Here's what I do know. I used to be blind and now I see. 
he wasn't distracted from the plan. And because of that, watch, Jesus had something more for him. He came and found him. And he said, do you believe on the Son of God, the Messiah? He said, I don't know who he is. He said, the one that's speaking to you is him. Now go your way and sin no more, lest a worse thing come on you. Right? He, he not only revealed who he was, he empowered him to walk in victory. When distractions come, you got to, is it in the plan? And you got to want it more than any distraction. Glory to God. It's easier, well, let, let, let go to Hebrews 12 and 1. Am I helping you tonight? Hallelujah. When you know in your spirit what God wants you to do, that becomes your focus. The, the biggest thing that, that I've, I've, I've had people over the years, they would say, well, you know, you're just too, you're too committed. How can you be too committed? Ladies, are your husbands, are they too committed? You're not going to answer me? Okay, let me ask you this way. Ladies, can your husband be too committed? Or do you want him relatively committed? When he comes home, do you ask him, Honey, were you relatively faithful to me today? Does that work? No, you don't want him relatively nothing. Committed. You can't be too committed. That's like saying you're too honest. I've had people tell me you're too honest. What do you mean I'm too honest? Can you be too honest? Nope. Because once you find this is the plan of God, then, then you're committed to that. Right? Look, at he, did you find Hebrews 12 and 1? Notice what it says. Seeing, and, and I'll read it to you from the Amplified Bible. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony of the truth, let us... Strip off, throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and the sin which so readily, deftly, cleverly clings to us and entangles us. Notice this. And let us run with patient endurance and steady, active persistence the appointed course of the race that's set before us. So there's a great cloud of witnesses that's watching to see if we're going to run the race that's set before us. Our race. See, their race has been ran. This tells me heaven is interested in whether or not I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Because the Greek uses the phrase the grandstand. And it's the idea of the, of the track and field games in ancient Greece when they would run races. And they're cheering them on in their race. Heaven's interested in whether you fulfill your plan. But notice what he said. He said, it is a plan that's my appointed course. So heaven's interested. Am I interested? Mm. So we have an appointed course of this race. 
We don't run just any course. We run the course appointed to us. That's assigned to me. What I'm supposed to do. Everybody in here, everybody on the sound of my voice, you've got something to do. You've got a plan. You've got something that God wants you to do. You are assigned that. And it should be at the forefront of our minds what we're on the planet to accomplish. Amen? Hallelujah. Because the grace shows up in your place. God will grace you to do what you're called to do in His plan and in His place. I've had people come up and say, it must be tough doing what you do. No, there's a grace. There's a grace. There's a grace to do it. But it's in the plan. The only time I've ever suffered is when I got out of the plan. Uh, Am I helping you? We have to be purposeful. You have to be accurate today. Accurate. Everybody say accurate. I have to I have to do things on purpose. Because because I'm going to get into something here in just a moment. I want you to see this. Uh, notice Romans 8. Romans 8. Let's look at verse 26 and 27 in the Amplified Bible, please. Romans 8, 26 and 27 in the Amplified Bible. Because I, I want you to see prayer comes into this plan. I learned something years ago. It is easier to walk out what you've prayed out. If I've prayed it out, I can walk it out. God is not a flippant God. In other words, he doesn't just deal with you one day, you're at work, and he just deals with you to come home and pull up stops and pull up stakes and just go somewhere else with no plan. He'll give you a plan first. Remember what he told Abraham? He said, I've given you the whole land. I've put it out there in front of you, right? And then he told him, he appeared to him and he said, get up from your, your family, from your, your city where you've been living and go into a land that I will show you. Right? Notice Romans 8, 26, 27 in the Amplified Bible. So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears up our weaknesses for we do not know what to pray, to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit Himself, notice this, now watch this, goes to meet our supplication. He meets our supplication. He doesn't just show up and do it. When you begin to pray it out and you begin to pray in the Spirit and you begin to supplicate, the Holy Spirit meets you. And what does he do? He pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what's in the mind of the Holy Spirit. What his intent is. Now stop right there. So what his intent is. How do you find his intent? You got to pray. Because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to, here it is, and in harmony with God's will. 
Holy Spirit-filled believers should never be at a loss as to what the will of God is. Because the Holy Spirit prays through me according to the will of God. What's the plan of God? You've you got to go pray. Brother Hagin said this over and over again. He said that when God told them to start Ramah, he, the Lord spoke to him in, I think, 73. They started it in 74. They got Rama up and running, and he said, we started getting phone calls from all around the nation. Well, the Lord's dealing with us to start a Bible school. Uh, uh, how do we do it? I don't know. You got to find out from God. That's what we're doing. So who does he meet? When you're praying, he meets you. Is that right? It's easier to walk out what you prayed out. If you haven't prayed about it, don't move. Don't take a step. Pray it out. Amen. Prayer is the lungs of the Christian life. And when you pray, you're, 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 you're settling things down. Amen. If you would take every day and just for an hour pray in the Holy Spirit and just make devotional use of the gift on the inside of you, things would start happening. Because it takes that, that time to reset things. Amen. The most spiritual men and women I've known in my life are people that pray much in the Holy Ghost. And they're also the most successful. Amen. I was talking to my pastor one day and, and talking about different things that, that they, they did. And I was just asking questions. And he said, well, uh, we just prayed in the Spirit. Heard from God. You know, that sounds too simple. Especially in this day and age we live in. And we need a five-month plan, a six-month plan, an eight-week plan, and a two-week plan. And I'm all about goals and planning. And you know I am. And I, and I work on that very hard. All right, I have goals. I have savings goals. I have goals in my life. And we're working steadily towards everything God wants us to do. But here's the thing. Is before you set a goal, you pray in the Spirit and find out what it should be. Right? One man said this at pastors in upstate New York. He said, people have asked me the secret to my success. He said, here's the secret to my success. Pray, hear from heaven, and do what heaven says. The plan. Where do you want us, God? Well, that's a good question to ask. Now pray about it. Pray it out. Pray it out. Amen. When the Lord gives you a prophecy... Don't just take it and say, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. There's no guarantee that's going to come to pass. Because there's something you got to do. And people say, well, that guy gave me a prophecy and it didn't come to pass. Well, what are you saying? Whose fault is that? Did I pray it out? If God said to you tonight, in six months, this is going to happen. Or this is what I planned for you in six months. Now you got six months to pray it out. Are you with me? Hallelujah. 
We don't despise prophecy. We need prophecy in the church. We need people getting words, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. But understand something. Never, never be at the mercy of a word of wisdom. Never be disobedient where the plan is concerned. And God have to show you His mercy by consistently bringing a word to you publicly to try to get you back in His plan. That's why when you first got born again, you got a lot of words. A lot of words of wisdom, a lot of words of knowledge. God spoke to you a lot. But then eventually He expected you to start growing and hearing from Him yourself. This is called leader food. You understand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because i got to pray it out. Prayer, as I said, is the lungs of the Christian life. It's also the heavy lifting in the kingdom. The Lord told one minister that I have great respect for. They said this to her. They said, uh, the Lord said, he said, when Brother Hagin was on the earth, his prayer life kept a lot of the political issues in this nation in check. And he said, when Brother Hagin went to heaven, the loss of his prayer life let a lot of these political issues get out of hand. And he said, you need to pick that up. I'm going to say this, it was a very strong statement. You do whatever you want to do with it. There's a lot of people in the church, the church is panicking right now. And you know why they're panicking? Because they don't pray anymore. Because it's more about putting on a show. Right? This service tonight is for believers. The church is for believers. Gathering is for believers. We're not supposed to make church comfortable for unbelievers. This is where believers gather. And we get filled with the power of God and filled with the Spirit of God and filled with the Word of God. And then we go out into our community and we win people to Jesus. And then we bring them to church to grow in grace and grow in the things of God. You learn to pray in the local church. You learn how to follow God's plan in the local church. You learn how to do what you need to do in the local church. The local church is the hope of the world and it is largely an entity of believers. I'm not running anybody down. But what I'm saying is when the church doesn't pray, look look at this. Go over to uh, 2 Timothy. Am I helping you? Because we're talking about 1 Timothy, excuse me. We're talking about the plan of God. Just because something is God's plan does not mean it's just going to come to pass. i got to do something. Amen. Think about this. Here's a scripture. Uh, great sh- all your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Is that there? What do you got to do with that? Pray it out. Right? Pray it out. Why? It's not just going to happen. Why? Because there's an enemy out there trying to rob the peace of your children. When does he start? Very young. Very early. Right? I'm not up here having been a perfect parent. As close to perfect probably as you can get. More perfect than you. But anyway. 
I'm joking. I'm joking. But here, here's, here's the point. Here's the point. I, I, I know that, 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 that children make decisions, but here's the thing. The quicker you start on it, the easier it's going to be for them to get in the plan. So is that God's plan? Are your children taught of the Lord? Great will be the peace of your children. Right? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin, and you shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. For the promise is not only to you, but it's to you and your children and to as many as believe in the Lord your God. Is that what the Bible says? Peter preached that message on the day of Pentecost. Is it God's will that your children be saved, believing in Jesus, and filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes. That's the plan. Does it just happen? No. Does it happen because you bring them to church? No. Does it happen because you, you send them to Christian school? No. Does it happen because you, 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 you make sure their friends are all Christians? No. Why does it happen? Because you're praying and you're meeting with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's meeting you in your supplication time and you are ahead of the game. Right? So is it God's will? Does it just happen? No. There's a plan. Notice here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority. Now what's he doing? He's giving us a plan. Notice what he didn't say. Freak out. (laughs) Worry. Pray. May seem elementary, but this is what this is the plan. What's our job? Pray for kings and all that are in authority. Right? What's the result? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. What's God's plan? For us to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. What's our job? Pray. Right? Well, I believe the Lord wants me to do this. Pray. Pray. Oh, but Pastor, you know, that's elementary. I know, so elementary, a lot of people are missing it. Amen. Do you see this? That's how you find the plan of God. When, 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 when God was dealing with me to make a move and to change what was going on, I didn't sit in front of the TV and watch America's Funniest Home Videos just declaring God's will is going to come to pass in my life. I spent time fasting and praying and seeking God. Every time you push a plate back, you're saying, God, the plan for my life is more important than eating this meal. Yeah, but you know, isn't fasting Old Testament? Oh, yeah, it is. And New Testament and your testament and my testament. Amen. Amen. When a person is concerned about fasting, they're concerned about how their flesh is going to cry. And don't talk to me about you're going to fast TV or fast social media. Give me a break. If you've got to call getting off of social media a fast, what in the world has you addicted It's not a fast. Fasting, by definition, means to cover the mouth. It means to refrain from food. (laughs) I'd be embarrassed to stand by the Apostle Paul and go, well, I fasted TV. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Like that one political candidate, he was at that rally, and, and, and he made a statement, and, and you heard, a few people honking their horn. Now, is that the answer? No. It's not, it's not the answer in and of itself. It puts you in a position to hear the answer. Amen. Do, do you see what I'm saying? My mind got cleared. My vision became sharp. My spirit became tuned in to what God wanted me to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So notice, my point in reading this scripture to you, that's his plan. Somebody's got to follow it out. One of the worst things that you can do is say, I believe the Lord's telling me to do this. And then take no steps towards it. That's the plan. Are you with me? So it should be at the forefront of our mind. Notice something in John 17, 4. I'm not going to be with you much longer, but long enough. John 17, 4. I've glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work that you gave me to do. The... Uh, Amplified Bible says, I've glorified you down here on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. By completing it. Do you see that? So Jesus, you always see Jesus saying things like this. My meat, my nourishment, my sustenance, my completeness comes from doing the will of him that sent me. Right? Jesus said, I, I am a right judge because I want to do what God wants me to do. When you're determined to get in God's plan for your life, you're in a perfect position for God to do what He said. Look at Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Actually, excuse me, Acts 20. Acts 20 and 24. We got one verse after this. Acts 20 and 24. Paul is there in Ephesians. He's uh, 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 in Ephesus. He's talking to the pastors there at Ephesus. And he says, none of these things move me. I do not count my life dear unto myself. So I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of good grace. Then the Living Bible says this. My life is worth nothing unless I do it, You doing the work, use it, Doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. Notice that. My life is worth nothing. Unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me. So Paul said his life was worth nothing, nothing if he did not finish the work assigned to him by the Lord Jesus. That's a strong language. But it's the truth nonetheless. Once you find out what God wants you to do, you're good for nothing else. Because this is what God's asked me to do. When you find out what God wants you to do, it's the greatest day of your life. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 15. 1 Corinthians 16, 15. Notice what it says. I beseech you, brethren, it says, You know the house of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. The word addicted is devoted. They've devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. The Living Bible says they are spending their lives helping and serving Christians everywhere. Spending their lives. The end of your life will be very fruitful in your place. In the plan of God. Amen. Me being in the plan of God affects you. If I hadn't found the plan of God, I wouldn't be here tonight. Now, I don't know how that would have affected your life, but it would have had some repercussions. Because wherever we met, we would have never met. That doesn't mean you wouldn't have found the plan of God for your life without me. It means there would have maybe been a delay. Hallelujah. You do not have time to bounce around wondering if you're in the will of God. When I found the plan of God for my life, and I'm still in it. When I found the plan of God for my life, for the next 22 straight years, I was here. I moved my family to Kansas City 26 years ago and stayed here. Why this is the plan of God for my life? Was there ever a temptation to go somewhere else? Yeah, but it would have been out of the will of God. When times get tough, you don't pack up and go if you're in the plan of God for your life. You stay and you face it because prosperity is coming. There are so many blessings that people have missed because when they showed up, they weren't there. Amen. The New English Bible says they have laid themselves out to serve God's people. Laid themselves out to serve God's people. Why? That's the plan. So when you serve in the local church, you serve in whatever capacity that you're serving in, you are spending your life helping God's people. If whatever you're doing in this church, you can take it or leave it, do me a favor and you a favor right now and just leave it. And let me find somebody that's faithful. Right? That, that's important. Well, Pastor, that's strong. I know. May not like what I said, but you know what I mean. Right? Because you've got to make the decision... If this is the plan of God for my life, and you're praying about it, God will eventually, if you need to go, you need to do something, you need to change, God will speak to you. When you start getting a leading, you start getting an inclination. Pray it out. Pray it out. Amen. It's not going to spoil if it's God. It's not going to spoil if it's God's will today. It'll be God's will next week. (laughs) Amen. I'm teaching you what's kept me safe. Are you following me? Don't let people pressure you into making a decision. If you need an answer tonight, the answer is no. If you'll give me a week, maybe. 
it'll probably take a month. Amen. And I've heard preachers actually make fun of that. Oh, preachers need to take time to pray to know what the will of God is. <laughs> you are less than smart if you don't. Amen. Tell your neighbor, look at him, say, I'm praying about it. Tell him, tell him again, say, I'm praying about it. Tell him, say, that thing we're believing for, I'm praying about it. I'm almost done. You say, what does that mean? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Notice verse 16 of the same chapter. 1 Corinthians 16, 16. That you submit yourselves unto such. Now notice that. Who's the such he's talking about? People that are giving their lives to minister to God's people. People that are laying themselves out. It, it, it gets me when I see people that give positions to talent and not commitment. Amen. If I've only got one committed person, they're getting the job. Yeah, but they're not the best. I don't care. They're committed. Talent will take you where your character can't keep you. I'm helping you. Amen. I, I, I had a group. Kathleen will remember this. I had a group one time, and they just weren't committed. And I said, all right, all y'all sit down. We'll use soundtracks. Play with me. We'll use soundtracks. And we did. Say, was it good? No, it was bad. But at least I had bad, committed people. And you see what we got today. Amen. Amen. I had a guy that could play the keyboard, and this wasn't Ron, by the way. I had a guy that could play the keyboard. He could play the bass. He could play the guitar. He could sing. And he thought he was God's gift to every praise and worship team. Amen. And man, he could flow. I mean, he could sing all them old Andre Krauss songs. Take me back. Take me back. Yeah. I don't know why Jesus loved me. That's beautiful. Had no character. Had no character. Yeah, but he's anointed. Has no character. And every time somebody's in your pulpit, they're imparting into your people what they are. You cannot impart something into somebody that you don't have. And you cannot help but impart what you are. And so if you've got people of no character ministering, your people are getting fed a diet in the spirit of no character. Pray it out. Hallelujah. So if they're not laying themselves out, oh Lord, why am I here? You know, in the church, people need some requirements put on them. I got leaders in here. How many services do I request that y'all be in? Three. Three services every week. How many special services are you supposed to be in? All. 
Do you have to tithe? Yes. Where? Here. And if you don't tithe, what happens? You're leaders. You lead. People come to church and don't see their leaders. They start thinking they can hang out. They can sit out. Doesn't matter. My leader don't come to church on Sunday night. Why I got to be there on Sunday night? So by your very action, you are imparting something to people. I know there's times you're going to miss church and you all know my heart. I don't need to tell you that. But how many are grateful for those requirements? How many have grown in the word because of those requirements? Amen. Are you following me? My place is to pastor and preach in this church. Lead this body. Give myself for the people. You give yourself for the people. We lay ourselves out. Why? Because this is the plan of God for our life. Isn't this great? Look, notice verse 16. Did you ever find it? That you submit yourself to such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. There are no stars in the kingdom. Amen. Oh, but that guy, you know, he can bring the anointing. But does he bring character? The Lord, for for the whole time we've been in Little Rock, in the Little Rock campus, and many of you have been there, the whole time we've been there, Pastor Michelle's led worship. I married an amazing woman. Amen. You know, we'll soon be married almost, we'll soon be married 30 years. I don't look that old, do I? I remember Tanya one time. Tanya hadn't been here, her and Anthony, very long, and, and, and people were talking to her about, uh, you know, this guy and that guy, and, and at that time the other guy was here, and uh, uh, Tanya said, I know, I don't look old enough to have kids this old, right? And so I'm like Tanya, I don't look old enough to be married that long. <laughs> but in any event, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to wrap this up. Listen to me, please. Well, it gets challenging because when she's not there, guess who gets to lead worship? Right? And so not only do you get to lead worship, you got to practice through the week. you got to send out the songs. you got to plan the set, if that's what we want to call it. Well, Here's the point. God started bringing us people to help us. Brought us a very talented man. You say, what's the first thing you did? I sat him down and checked his character. I wanted to find out where's he from. Why'd you leave your last church? Why aren't you with that ministry anymore? Matters. Just go ahead and grab a hold of somebody else's problem. Amen. You're better off. You're, a church is better off with no worship than the wrong worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, there's been times me and Kat have done it. Amen. Pastor Cat and the Cadillacs. We've done it.
But now, now listen, I'm, I'm picking on her. But you know, uh, 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 last week some of y'all came to church and you didn't see Kat, right? I can count, listen to me, I can count on one hand in 20, almost 23 years of full-time pastoring here, one hand the times that woman's missed church. One hand, not two hands, one hand. And it's this many times. She's still got two. In 23 years, she has not missed church five times. When she missed church, when she had surgery or when a loved one died. I have watched her come up here and sing on this keyboard and sing and lead people in worship and in between songs, run and throw up in the bathroom and come back and keep leading. I think she's worthy to be followed. Because that's laying yourself out. (laughs) Traveled back and forth with my wife, took her to Little Rock, came back, took her to Little Rock. They used to go down to KMAT every Sunday afternoon, Kansas Multicultural and Alcohol Drug Treatment Center, and and Pastor Michelle would preach and get people saved, and Kathleen would lead worship. Now, I'm, I'm not just bragging on her. I'm trying to say that's what you want. Because that's somebody that says, I have found my place. I have found the plan of God for my life. So he said, submit to them. The Living Bible says, follow their instruction and do everything you can do to help them. The Roost Bible says, put yourself under the leadership of such as them. So look who's qualified to lead. People that are giving themselves for the saints. People that are laying themselves out in every department, children's ministry, youth ministry, praise and worship, AV, who do you choose? People that are giving themselves for the plan of God. Amen. I'd rather have the same people doing everything than to have plenty of people that are uncommitted. And we're believing for three deep in every department. Hallelujah. Revelation 14, 13. We'll close with this. So Paul says the people who should be followed are those that are spending their lives laying themselves out for the gospel. Hallelujah. I used to have a person, they'd always tell me I'd get back in town, either here or Little Rock, and they'd meet me, and they'd go, well, I know you wore out. I know how that trip is. Don't, 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 don't cuss at me like that. I'm not wore out. This is what I do. I don't talk about jet lag. Oh, you got that lag, lag from that trip. What lag? Right lag or left lag? Which lag? Revelation 14 and 13. Notice what it says. 14, 13. Yes, sir. That's a good one, but we need another one. Revelation 14 and 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right blessed are the dead that die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, thus saith the Spirit that they, that, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. You're spending your life for the only thing with eternal rewards attached to it. When you are in the plan, 
You're spending your life for the only thing with eternal rewards attached to it. And if you learn that early on, there's eternal rewards attached to this. Hallelujah. So every time you greet, every time you usher, every time you work in the AV, every time you work in the children's ministry, student ministry, the clean team, hospitality. I came in tonight and I saw people mopping. I saw people cleaning toilets. I saw people cleaning the windows. Right? We did have to redo Yolanda's work. But we, we saw her working. N Nancy and I are on it. But in any event... I heard Nancy say, I need to go redo that. And I told her, yeah, we have to redo her work a lot. But anyway, I have a bus too, Daryl. But in any event, in any event, hallelujah. I, I, I went back in the children's ministry today and I saw Sarah over there gluing, making manger scenes. And, and I saw uh, Heather and Dwayne back there, Heather in the nursery and, and Dwayne back there running the AV. You know, Dwayne, he's the tall, silent type, right? But he's just back there every Sunday. He eases in. I mean, he's like James Bond. You don't even know he's there. It's just like he could come up and put a bobby pin in your nose and just <laughs> scramble your brains, right? But uh, uh, the, the point is, he just shows up and he runs that AV and he just does it with no fanfare and just does what he needs to do. I look over there in that nursery and I see him praying with the little kids and I see him singing and I see him in praise and worship and I see Emily and Olivia and all the kids excited about the things of God and I think to myself eternal rewards yeah. hallelujah. hallelujah do you see that you're addicting yourself to the ministry of the saints so important because that's your place ever what it may be hallelujah hallelujah Oh, glory to God. So here's my question. Are you interested? Glory to God. Hallelujah. When, uh, we'll close here. When uh, I've watched, I've watched over the years and... Uh, When God asks you to do something, when I was praying that Monday night, under we had a baby grand piano up here, and I was praying, and the Lord said to me, he said, uh, I'd been here five years, and he said, what's the number five mean? And I, I told him that it meant grace. And he said, uh, when he said to me, he said, uh, how long, the pastors before you, how long were they here? And I said, five years. And he said, I gave each of them five years to do what I've asked you to do. And then he made this statement to me. He said, now are you going to do it or do I need to find someone else? When Pastor Caldwell started Agape Church in Little Rock uh, back in the early 80s, he was there pastoring 37 years. And he's, he's uh, it's Scott Stewart has been pastoring since 2013. So that's seven years. So uh, you can readily see that, uh, you know, what's that, 34 years the church has been going? Or no, 44 years, I guess. Is that right? 37 plus 7? Amen. And, uh, but anyway, here's my point. The Lord asked him to, to start VTN. 
ask him to raise up a spiritual production center producing life, city, state, nation, and world. And the Lord said to him, you were not my first choice. And he said, well, Lord, if you don't mind, can I ask you what number I was? Seventh. So God, he said, I asked six other people to do what I'm asking you to do. What was he asking him to do? Build a church debt-free. You know what the Lord told him? He said, if you can't build a church debt-free, you can't take a city. And if you can't take a city, why do I need you? That's, that's powerful. Because God's asking you to do something. And there's any number of people that he asked to do it before you. And they said no. And you got the opportunity to say yes. And be involved in Jesus' ministry. Isn't that great? Stand up tonight, would you? Stand up tonight. If you're with your spouse, reach over and take them by the hand. Or with your future spouse. Amen. Boy said, amen. Hey. Praise God. Hallelujah. I was thinking about y'all today. I got a lot of stuff to talk to you about. It's all good, too. Amen. I'm going to help you. Amen. You're going to be rich. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. God's good. But if, if, now, 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 the hand that you're not holding your spouse, raise the other hand to heaven. If, if you're not holding the hand of a spouse, raise your right hand to heaven. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how long you've been doing for God. I, I want us to consecrate tonight to God's plan for our life. Would you do that? Say this, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, tonight, I consecrate my life to your plan for my life. Wherever you want me to be, whatever you want me to do, I submit myself to that plan. And I will not back up or stop the rest of my life until my dying day. I will do what you've asked me to do in Jesus' name. Now look at your neighbor and say, you heard me say that. And that's it. That's it. As we're closing, I heard... Uh, Many of y'all know who Patsy Caminetti is. Patsy used to be Patsy Bierman uh, that worked with Brother Hagen for a number of years. And Trina Hankins is her sister. And uh, Trina used to be Trina Bierman. And uh, her father, recently they celebrated his 85th birthday. And in his 85th birthday celebration, he recommitted his life to God. And consecrated his life to God's plan at 85. Been pastoring his whole life. And at 85, he reconsecrated his life. Not repented and got right with God. Reconsecrated his life at 85. If at 85 years of age, he could see there was still something for him to do for God. When Jesus was 12 years of age, he knew there was something he had to do for God. Whatever age you are tonight. Middle age, elderly, young, younger, you got something to do for God.
Amen? Amen. You believe that? Yes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God's good to you.